You're listening to The Vine Podcast, episode number 70. Sometimes getting started with a blog post can be the hardest part. Often, bloggers are trying to reinvent the wheel every time they sit down to write a blog post instead of having a basic outline that they follow every time. In today's episode, I'm sharing five helpful tips you can include in your blog post to provide more value for your reader and showcase your expertise. Hey friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine Podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume, and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Vine Podcast. I feel like these episodes are just flying by and it is just crazy to think that I am already 70 episodes into this podcast. I have told the story a couple of times, but when I decided I wanted to start my podcast, one of the ways that I made sure to sort of validate my idea was by coming up with 100 podcast topics that I could cover on the podcast just to make sure that it was something that I really could sustain long term. And to be honest, I haven't used a ton of those ideas what has happened is as I've recorded episodes and heard feedback from you guys, I've gotten different ideas and kind of gone off script with some of my ideas for different shows. And so I have well over those 100 original ideas, but it's just been so fun to have this podcast and really have it shape so much of my business and just so much of my own expertise and thought leadership that I get to share with you guys every week. So for those of you who have been around maybe since the very beginning, or maybe you've been listening for a little while, it just brings me so much joy to know that you guys are listening to these episodes and enjoying them. And if you are brand new to the podcast, I am so excited that you found it. Now, whether you had a friend tell you about it or you saw it on Instagram, however you found the show, I am just so glad that you are here and that you are becoming a part of this little community. Now, if we haven't met officially or you've never tuned in before, I always like to introduce myself and my name is Madison Wetherill. I'm the host of this podcast, obviously, and I also run my web design business, Grace and Vine Studios. Now, we are serving our clients a couple of different ways this year and we have really just honed in on these three offers as the best way to serve our clients and just really be able to streamline things and make our process really efficient and provide the best client experience that we can. So the three ways that we are serving clients this year are with our brand strategy and logo design package, our web design package, and finally our designer for a day package, which is the one that I have to explain the most because it is the one that is very unique to my business. But basically it is a six hour chunk of time where I hop out of my business and out of my personal life and I hop into your business and fix up those things on your blog, maybe the band-aids that you've put on your site over time by adding extra plugins or trying to use page builders for different things. And it's really a great way for me to come in and fix a lot of those issues in a short amount of time, but without the back and forth of 50 emails and the timeline getting dragged out for weeks or months. And so it's really just been a great way for me to be able to serve different clients who maybe are not ready for a full custom website or who have branding that they love or they're using a theme that they really like. I work on the feast themes a ton and so a lot of times people come to me with those themes in particular wanting to make some updates and wanting to customize their food blog with those pre-made themes. So 
I always love to explain what that is because we have just a few openings every month for that and they often book up pretty fast. And so I love to just share that in case that is something that you have been considering or if you've just been needing support, whether it's within design or web design or development. So if that is you or you're interested in learning just how we work with clients and what our different packages look like, you can always head to graceandvinestudios.com and go to the services tab to see all the different ways that we are currently working with clients, what our timelines are, and what our pricing starts at. So in today's episode, I'm really excited to talk about just different tips and tricks that you can include in your blog posts. I think that sometimes this is the hardest part of really elaborating on the recipe. And if you've ever found yourself just staring at that cursor, just trying to think of what else you can add to your blog post, especially if your blog post is shorter and you're maybe at 300 words and you know you need to make the blog post longer, these are really great tips to have in your back pocket and just use from time to time when you are needing to add more content, but without adding content that is just fluff. Last week, we talked about all kinds of different ways that you can make your blog post longer. And so today I wanted to go into these five specific helpful tips that you can include in your blog post and why they are so helpful. So let's just dive right into that. The first helpful tip that you should include in your blog post when it makes sense is highlighting specialty ingredients or tools. Now, this is really important for those of you who have readers who are brand new to cooking or who are not trained chefs. Pretty much anywhere in between have never cooked anything to a trained chef. There is going to be something that your reader can learn from you and can really just take away something new about a new ingredient or a tool that they might need to make your recipe. Now, this is even more important and probably more common for those of you who have very niche specific blogs. So for example, if your blog covers recipes that are specific to any type of diet or any type of allergy-free cooking, this is going to be really important because there are often ingredients that maybe are not as commonly found and you might need to explain those to your reader and explain where they can find them. And when it comes to tools specifically, this is really helpful for recipes that require something specific. So for example, if you have a ravioli recipe, you might want to link to a ravioli press or a pasta maker attachment. If you are creating a dessert that requires a specific type of pan, something like a cheesecake or a tart, it can be really helpful to share that with your reader. And this is one of those things that I think is really hard for us to remember how potentially new our readers are to this recipe. You have probably tested the recipe a couple of times and maybe even before you tested the recipe, you've eaten this type of food or made this type of recipe kind of off the blog many times before. But for someone who has never made cheesecake before, you would be surprised at how many times they don't know that you have to have a spring form pan. Now, obviously there's other ways to make it. And so if there's specialty ingredients or tools that are optional, definitely explain that in the post. But the point is that if your reader is making this type of recipe, this type of cuisine, or using a specific tool for the very first time ever, you really want to start at the basics and explain it as if they know nothing about it. And for those of you who might be thinking that might be really annoying to people who don't need that, I just want to remind you that people will just scroll right past it if they don't need that information. So just think about if there was one person who came to your blog and really needed to know that information and you shared that with them, how special they would feel and how equipped they would feel to make your recipe. The second tip that you can share with your readers is what makes this recipe unique? Now, this is going to be one of those areas that you take with a grain of salt because most likely they have come to this recipe post from Google or Pinterest, or maybe they hopped on to it from another page on your site, but there's something that already interests them about this recipe. 
But what they might be looking for is ways that this recipe might fit into their lifestyle or maybe they're trying to create their meal plan for the week and so they're trying to decide if this recipe is a good fit. And so this second area can be a great place for you to highlight anything that makes this recipe awesome. Maybe it's the fact that it's a really quick recipe or it uses five ingredients or less. Maybe it is that it's allergy friendly or it is going to fit into a busy lifestyle. This is where it really comes in handy to know who your audience is and what they're looking for because the more specific you can get in this section, the more likely it's going to be that your reader understands that they're in the right place. And so this is a great place to just highlight what makes this recipe awesome in a paragraph or two. Depending on what recipe it is, you may have more to say. Or if it's something super simple like lemonade, you might just talk about how refreshing it is on a hot day. This is not the place to go on about a story that is irrelevant to the reader. I think most of us know that at this point when it comes to food blogging. But just be really specific about what you want to highlight about this recipe and think if you were only able to have someone read that paragraph about the recipe, would it be enticing for them to want Want to actually make it. Next, you can talk about ways to store the recipe. I see this all the time and it is really helpful for things that are a little bit different to store or reheat. Something that will help them to use up those leftovers or repurpose them is a great tip that you can share that can not only equip your reader to have better cooking knowledge, but can also just help you to be the expert. Now, if you don't know the answer to something like this, it just takes a quick Google search to find out what the answer is. So for example, when I was writing some muffin recipes, I did an entire week series of muffin recipes on my blog a few years ago, and I didn't really know the true proper way to store muffins to make them last the longest. And so I did a quick Google search, educated myself about it, and then I was able to form my own paragraph sharing my own knowledge that I just learned in my own voice with my readers. This is also a great opportunity to do some linking to other content. So if it's something really specific that you want to link to another blog, then this is a great opportunity for you to highlight their blog posts that might already have it. But what I would kind of caution you against in this case is if it's something that is really relevant to your own content. So in the muffin example, doing a blog post on my site about how to store muffins would actually be really beneficial to be able to interlink all of my muffin blog posts. So just think about that when you are working on this and if it's something that you would want to talk about or link to often then maybe it's something that you might want to have as a standalone blog post and to add that to your editorial calendar. The next thing you want to highlight and share with your reader is different alternative cooking methods. So this is why it is so popular these days to have an instant pot, a crock pot, and a stovetop version of the recipe. But so often people are finding these blog posts from specific keywords that might not talk about a cooking method. And if you isolate just one cooking method, it can be really difficult for people who maybe don't have an instant pot or don't like their slow cooker. And so highlighting different ways to cook this recipe is really helpful. And again, you might not necessarily have tested the recipe every single way. And you can just say that. You can say that you haven't thoroughly tested this recipe on the stovetop, but you would imagine it would work just fine. Or you haven't tested it in the instant pot, so you can't really speak to the time it would take. Even if you aren't giving the reader the exact answer they're looking for, you're at least addressing the question they might have. But I would highly recommend making this a part of your recipe development process when you can. If it is something that's really easy to figure out in the instant pot, for example, then that's a great bonus tip that you can give to your readers and you can be able to talk about whether or 
or not the recipe works. There are obviously some recipes that just do not work in the Instant Pot and it would be frustrating for your reader to give it a try not knowing that. So even if that's all you say, that you wouldn't recommend it in the Instant Pot for XYZ reason, that's really going to help them to be equipped to make the recipe and to do it well. And the last helpful tip to include in your blog post is any sort of diet or allergy alternatives. Now, again, if you know that this does not fit within your brand, then that's okay. But what I would challenge you on is there are so many allergies these days and so many people who just omit certain things out of their diet out of preference. And so the more that you can help your reader in this way, and especially if it's easy substitutions, then I definitely would recommend that. This works very similar to the alternative cooking methods. If you don't know the answer to it, then just say that and say maybe that you haven't tried it with any other flour, but you would imagine one-to-one gluten-free flour would work. And then if you get a wild hair and you want to test it out, then that's great. This is a really awesome way to also use the feedback that you might be getting from your readers, whether it's on social media or in your comment section. I have seen a lot of people who, especially on older blog posts, might have asked a question about whether something could be substituted. And what's interesting is that I don't find that the blogger goes and adds that into their content later. And I think if your readers are asking you questions about substitutions and how they can do things, it's worth giving it a try and being able to report back on it. You obviously have to figure out if this is a good return on investment for you for your time and maybe you decide that it's such a small percentage that it's not but it's just something to consider especially with the growing number of allergies and maybe even something to ask your audience about and whether that would be beneficial for them. This episode was definitely a little bit more short and sweet than some of my most recent episodes have been, but I hope that this will help you to see the different ways that you can add better content to your site. Especially if you are struggling with making your blog post long enough, these can be great things to include maybe in every single post or just in the posts that are relevant. You know, some recipes like the lemonade example may not need to have storing tips in there, but you would again be surprised at how many people might not know the best way to store their lemonade or to know whether they can store it on the counter for a couple of hours or a couple of days. And so the more you're able to just put yourself in that expert role and help educate your audience just about general cooking tips and tricks, the more they're going to trust you and the more they're going to want to come back to your blog because they know when they make your recipe, it is going to be thorough and documented well, and they're going to be able to trust that it will be made correctly. So just to run through those five helpful tips one more time for you, they were to include specialty ingredients or tools talk about what makes the recipe unique and specifically highlighting why someone might want to make that recipe ways to store the recipe or reuse the recipe, alternative cooking methods, including things like the stovetop, crockpot, or instant pot, and finally highlighting any diet or allergy alternatives that your audience specifically might be asking you for or just are very common and easy things to recommend. I hope that this episode was helpful for you guys. I know a lot of you really loved last week's episode, episode 69, about how to make your blog post longer. And really, to be honest, the only way that I know that you guys like these podcast episodes and the topics specifically is when you guys share them on Instagram. I can always tell which ones are the most popular based on your shares. And so if you liked this episode, I would love for you to share it with a friend, share it on Instagram, and tag me at Grace and Vine. It is just always so fun to see which ones you guys love the most. And it helps me to create content in the future and just make sure that I am continuing to support you guys in your business and support you in growing your food blog. 
And one final thing that I wanted to share again, I shared it on last week's podcast episode as well, is that my Gutenberg course is going to be reopening on March 1st. And this course is really designed to help you master the Gutenberg editor through WordPress and then be able to take those skills of using Gutenberg and using the blocks to be able to create your own blog post template that you can reuse and really just streamline your blog post process. So all of these helpful tips that I've talked about can be reusable blocks that you use in Gutenberg and can make your blog post process so much faster and so much more efficient. I have gotten so much feedback from my current students that are in the course right now that have just talked about how much easier it is to use Gutenberg now that they have taken this course and how much time they are saving on creating blog posts and creating blog posts that are more user-friendly and easier to find helpful content because of the way that they have their blocks set up. So if you are using the Gutenberg platform already and you're not really sure how you would use it more efficiently, maybe you're not using it at all and you've been afraid to switch, I would love to invite you to sign up for the waitlist. There is going to be some very exclusive bonuses that are going to be announced to the waitlist first, and I won't spoil those yet, but I will just say that you definitely want to be on the waitlist so you can be the first to hear about those and the first to grab them because they are going to be a limited number. So to do that, you can go to graceandvinestudios.com slash simplify, and that link will be in the show notes for you as well. That's all I have for you today, friends, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at graceandvine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.